0: I'm not like them, but
1: I can pretend, I think I'm dumb, maybe just happy, Okay, hi everyone. Hi. Yeah. Hello. Hey, hey pool house. How's it going?
0: Good, welcome back. Yeah. It's really good to be here. You've gone from our, our first ever, first and only repeat guest to our first and only three peat guest. So. I'm
2: like super excited. I feel like I'm um, John Doe number three. That's uh, <laughs> what I'm bringing tonight. Yeah.
1: <laughs> and since we last one. talked, um, you've started a podcast as well. Do you want to Yeah, gamer. Yeah. That's really? probably- I mean, it's so like it's
2: so rude of me to like just come on your podcast and then just go and start one. And, like, no. Uh,
0: <laughs> I mean, you have got two fans in us, so yeah. When well, there's, I fully support it. I, yeah. I
2: appreciate it. I said, I think I told Cassandra that it's a spinoff podcast, like it's an involuntary spinoff. Be careful, you know, kind of. It's like the lesson. Um, you know, be careful what you wish for. What you start, you know, it's like AI
1: you like well, what's, the name of your, what's the name of your pod so everyone can listen to that too
2: um it's called here comes the backlash it's a backlash with two k's you can find it on substack um and like just follow me um, if you want it's a lot of it's very schizo so you know um do it in small doses if you need to or like consult it like the eaching or something just you know vibe with it it's cool
1: <laughs> yeah we're we're part of i think i feel like with uh D, uh, KB and uh, Ball Earth and Thoughts and Prayers and now yours—we're starting to become part of an extended extended universe. So mm-hmm. we like it
2: in a fake space. <laughs>
1: <laughs> I don't know what to call it yet. It's but something something extended universe, like DC extended universe
2: <laughs> for sure. For well, sure, I
0: like cool House's thought that like it's pro- it's best to just like let it not have a name. That's true. Once you name it, it
1: becomes, uh, yeah, it starts to get current. Like now it's like, we talked about recently how everyone's saying based now. Um, Mm. so it's like anything can be, uh, Anything could be co-opted. <laughs>
2: it's true. I tweeted to Little B, the um, the base god, and asked him for a new word, but I you know I'm waiting to hear back from uh, you know, <laughs> from that oracle, unfortunately. But I feel like he does. He actually is the source. You know, ironically, I think a lot of people forget that it comes from like this like wacky rapper. <laughs> but I feel like he he owes us a new word for sure.
0: Yeah, yeah I haven't heard anything much from him in the past, like. Ten years, I want to say. So, know, He's,
2: he lives on in my heart
0: for sure. He's cooking up a new word. I feel like so. Hopefully, will he'll drop soon. I didn't know that. Um, it was from from a rapper. So that's
1: that's new information for me.
2: I yeah. I, I don't know. He tweets, like, really weird things, like, cryptically. I don't even know that much about him as, like, a rapper. I think of him truly as, like, an oracle who just, like, uh, used to, like, tweet, like, really interesting, like, cool things. Kind of always in all caps, I think, if I remember. <laughs> and I don't know. He was just uh, one of a kind.
1: Yeah. I agree, though. I think it's funny that naming things, like, I feel like that's what, like, what happened to the dirtbag left. They got named something, mm-hmm. and it, then they got, like, pigeonholed, you know? <laughs> they couldn't... They couldn't... uh they couldn't, they couldn't do anything anymore. Mm-hmm. They were just like part of a, you know, yeah. Anyway, That's I agree. True.
2: Don't <laughs> let those McKinsey people and the Madison Avenue people like come and name you because then they own you, you know? Yeah. Yeah.
1: Well, we're here to discuss um, Timothy oh. McVeigh and the Oklahoma city bombing. Do we oh. want to jump right in to, cause I feel like everyone's going to have a lot to say. So I'm scared, you. kind of.
2: Yes, for sure. <laughs> the,
1: only, the only mentionable thing is the China balloon, but I don't feel like it's that mentionable.
2: Yeah, RIP, China balloon. We love oh, you.
1: <laughs> I was talking to a friend in Asheville this morning because apparently it was over Asheville. Um, and he was like, Yeah, everyone's very excited. And then, like, two hours later, it was like, Done. So, hi, mm-hmm. China balloon.
2: Bye bye. <laughs> it feels like one of those weird things that wasn't supposed to happen, so it like disappeared quickly. I don't know. Uh, we'll probably never hear about China balloon again. It's my prediction, or it will be the most important thing that ever ever happened. It'll <laughs> be like the you know Archduke assassination of World War Three.
1: Yeah, it's gonna be like the our new China China America War. But anyway, let's let's focus on the the past. So <laughs> how do we want to how do we want to tackle it? How do we want to divide it?
2: I don't know. Well, do we, we so, want to do
1: official narrative and then go from there or
0: Yeah, I think that's fair. So, well, Q, I'm curious cuz you kind of brought it to my attention at least with the the Wendy painting book, Aberration in the Heartland of the Real. Um so like how what got how did you come to like Get into that, become aware of that book or whatever. Well, Cool House
1: and I are both on, again, hard to name these things, but like all the dissident gay Twitter guys were reading it. Uh I just saw it recommended over and over again. Um, And I was like, okay, it was like, I haven't seen this many people reading something since like BAP, you know, that was like the last, and that was years ago now, but that was the last time I remember like, Oh, okay. All these like-minded people are reading something. And I actually didn't know what to expect. I totally bought it blind. Um, I was pretty young when the Oklahoma city bombing happened. So I only remember sort of kind of there being like some tension around it, but I didn't really know a whole lot about it. Um, And then I have in recent years learned a lot about both Ruby Ridge and the Branch Davidians um, before reading this Mm -hmm. book. And I had never, ever, ever known that um, Timothy McVeigh like had cited those things or was interested in those things. But I had, I had long been like, this is crazy that people don't talk about this more. You know, I feel Mm -hmm. the same way about the move bombings in Philadelphia. Um, So Mm -hmm. it's like, to be fair, I like, I feel the same way about even when like leftist organizations have been attacked that way. So I was just, you know, those, I would say the move bombings, Ruby Ridge and the Branch Davidians are all three things that were part of my like government red pill. Like, wow, our government's really bad. Like they will kill children they will murder children like, and they will do it. And that, that is, those are, that's the truth. So I guess that's kind of how I approached this book. That's how I got to it.
0: Yeah. It's an interesting topic because I think pool house mentioned this sort of is like, it weirdly kind of touches on like all these different kind of themes of like in particular of the nineties, but even just of, I, I don't know, like, like the Persian Gulf war gets also mixed up in there too. And like, there's stuff with that, like with vaccines and anthrax and, you know, it's just like everything kind of like thrown together.
2: <laughs> it's like scary, actually. I don't know. I was making a list of like a timeline, I guess. And I was trying to figure out like where to start it. And like, it became kind of like a timeline of the nineties, but then also like went back to 1776. I don't know. It just, kind have like everything though. It's kind of this like, uh, I don't know this kind of struggle between like tyranny and uh, like the freedom seeking spirit, I guess, of Americans that like kind of started the country and it's kind of like, uh, I know this like cycle that is repeating
1: in uh, that we see kind of repeating in the nineties in a weird way. I don't know. Yeah. There was just so many weird little tidbits, like even in the Gore Gore Vidal article, we'll get to all this, but like I was shocked when Janet Reno said that, that quote from Janet Reno, that was like, the kids are better dead than alive or something like she tried to justify her
0: like
1: like, mass murder campaign by being like well these molested kids didn't deserve to live anyway they would have had well
0: I think that was Gore Vidal's kind of um, (laughs) spin on it Um, but like I don't think she I don't think that was like a direct Reno quote (laughs) (laughs) Um, but yeah like she like basically yeah they're like well they all deserve to die because they were like molesting the kids but then like they killed the kids too, so it didn't really
2: like. Make they didn't sense. firebomb any churches, you know, any yeah. like Catholic churches, you know. And I don't know, like yeah. Janet Reno's such an like unhinged tranny, honestly, that I feel like <laughs> she like could have said that to be honest. You ask me, like that quote felt like it hit, it hit hard because uh, I don't know. Gorevodal had his like finger on the pulse. That whole piece was like,
0: oh, true. Know, no, was, I th- like, I feel like his his article is amazing and his characterization of like the thought <laughs> process behind it was accurate but yeah
1: right we have to we have to slow down because i think i think we have to do assume that everyone's coming at it from to be like to be fair uh storytellers we have to assume that people are coming at it so should we how how should we do official narrative or should i should i just give the official narrative as i understand yeah
0: Yeah, take a step
1: so i i'll just say ruby rich and the branch davidians both happened in the early 90s And Ruby Ridge was justified. So Ruby Ridge is where they, I think it was the ATF and the FBI surrounded this incredibly small, they kept calling it a compound, but it wasn't. It was like some Mm -hmm. dude's like personal private house. Mm -hmm. Um, And they surrounded it to, um, basically because they argued that he was like a white supremacist terrorist, Um, which there was like, or that was the official, that was sort of like what they were saying. And they ended up killing um, this mother and her child and I think one other person died, right? Did he actually die, the guy? Um, and the, the mother and the kid died for sure. The mother and the kid died, yeah. So that happened and that was like this crazy overreaction to something that wasn't even happening. And so I guess that's, that's, that's the first thing that's worth mm-hmm. mentioning. And then a couple years later was the Branch Davidians who were like a separatist um, religious mm-hmm. movement outside of Waco, Texas. Um, run by David Koresh. And people probably know more about that because there was a recent Netflix show. But that ended with the ATF um, and the FBI. Um, well, you know, there's obviously, you know, they have a different story, but essentially they burned down the structure and mm-hmm. killed um, 20-something kids and dozens of adults who were inside of the the structure. Um, and it was the worst, like, government... Killings, uh, it mentions this in the gore vidal article since the massacre. I think oh, I want to say is that the wounded knee or oh, yeah, something? Yeah,
2: yeah, wounded knee. I think that was
0: like
2: 1980. 1880. Yeah, oh, right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It's all nice. yes. The Last and
0: time it was like a long siege, right? That was kind of like that for a while it was the ATF for some reason was like doing it and then like. I guess they couldn't, like, finish the job. And so that was when Janet Reno sent in the FBI to just, like, come in and murder everyone, I guess. Yeah,
1: Yeah. so that happened. And then I guess Timothy McVeigh... I'll just give the really short recap of the official narrative because I'm sure you guys will go, like, we'll all go away in depth. But basically, the Oklahoma City bombing happens. It was on April 19th, 1994. I got to get this stuff right. Sorry. I got to pull it up 95. 95. Okay. Um, And the official narrative is that Timothy McVeigh and this man named Terry Nichols essentially lone wolf planned this um, bombing of the Oklahoma City uh, Alfred P. Murrah Federal Building. And they detonated a car bomb. That ended up killing um, 168 people, including 19 children who were at a, a daycare. Um, and Terry Nichols was convicted of like helping plan it, and I think he did 12 years in prison, and then enter witness protection. And then Timothy McVeigh was convicted of like being the you know the person who actually did the bombing, and he was executed um, allegedly. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but he was executed at the age of 33 in 2001—a very fast-tracked execution. <clears throat> and that's and that's where the—I mean, I think the official, I guess, like what the government says happened—that's where it ends, right? Yeah,
0: yeah, and he's he supposedly did it as he was like aligned with the yeah kind of militia movement or whatever, and did it as, as retribution for Ruby Ridge and.
1: Right. And they, like, kind of, like, threw in some other names of, um, you know, he was involved in a white separatist community in Elohim City and stuff. They basically tarred, they tarred the guy and, you know, like, obviously made him out to be this, like, you know, incredible psychopath. Um, And he was convicted and killed. And that was, that's the official narrative. So we're not going to, we're going to talk about some different narratives, but that's, that's what the government says happened.
2: Yeah. And when you said like, that's it, it really was like, they stopped talking about it and it went away. Like people don't talk about Oklahoma city until really, I feel like this kind of resurgence recently. Uh, But like at the time it was the biggest thing that happened. Like that was huge. Like I was like, I I was in eighth grade when that happened, it was during spring break. I remember. And it was just like that it resonated throughout the rest of that decade. um, More than even like the world trade center did in, in 1993 And it was just, it aligned with this narrative that was already building at the time that was like, there's these people and they're militiamen and they're they're patriots. And it was kind of this like demonization of um, a really specific group of people. And we were supposed to think they were like really, really bad uh like really bad like white supremacists right and um it just perfectly fit in with that narrative and it just uh, was used for that purpose and then kind of discarded at a certain point but it was uh, i don't know i see a lot of parallels with like january 6th so it's kind of interesting that it comes up now because uh, you see a lot of the same kind of notions of like infiltrating uh like s- separatist movements i guess i don't know what to even call them because i think they're being mischaracterized i've gone full militia pill by the way so like, <laughs> wash out <laughs>
1: Well, that's, I guess, where we can we where we can start because you know, uh, Elohim City and these other militia movements are heavily populated with with feds. That's just like a fact, right? So
2: carol howe like there's like this <laughs> girl like, i don't know she's like
1: i haven't I even believe, i could not believe her swastika tattoo i was like people bought that i mean damn <laughs> she looks like she went to harvard and she has this swastika tattoo and that was like
2: <laughs> well i feel like she's like kind of like a little bit of a midwestern rich girl who kind of got caught up like with this scene and then kind of became like i guess like state's witness uh for a while but I know she. I, the book I'm reading, uh, or I had read, like it, which I could talk about later, but it's uh, really it's very thorough and, and well documented as well. And there was a testimony that she gave where she's like, "I was in love with like this guy, and I just wanted to change him, and all he did was talk about planting bombs." And it was like really kind of sad. I don't know. She really wanted to change these um, these white nationalists, but she couldn't. Um, nor could she get the FBI to listen to her. It, it sucked for to be Carol Howe. <laughs>
1: so i guess the first i mean i guess like the first so we could talk about like i actually found the documentary i watched it today um i was actually almost crying at parts of it because Mm -hmm. it was really sad to see these uh victims families who wanted like real answers about what happened um being like kind of totally ridiculed and like just humiliated. Um, And like, I felt really, really bad, especially for that, like, clearly like working class grandma who had like her, her two grandsons killed in the building. Um, Mm -hmm. So that was like very moving. And I, you know, there's a lot of fury because there's all this weird, I guess this is what the book touches on too. There's all this weird evidence that um, the, the bombing was, planned ahead of time. And there was, there was, there was a lot of evidence that pretty significant evidence that people knew primarily the fact that um, the ATF did not go into work that day. (laughs) It's the craziest. um, Yeah. That's the craziest aspect of it. You know, to me,
0: there's, there's a lot of inconsistencies. I also thought from just like, what was interesting about that watching that documentary um i think it's called a noble lie um was that it just seemed like virtually everyone in oklahoma city basically did not buy the official narrative mm-hmm. like they all like knew it was fake
2: yeah, KFOR, like this local station did a lot of like this uh, really awesome reporting that I, know you, I don't know where you would see that nowadays. Um, and another guy, J.D. Cash, is like a reporter that was there uh, who really questioned it. And it seemed very widespread um, and so, so tragic. There's the Sergeant um, Yiki, I guess his name is, I think, yeah, Terry Yiki, and he's like a witness to. I'm not even exactly sure what, but they basically, he essentially had saw inconsistency and was not um happy with what he saw was going on and filed this report. I think several pages are missing from that report still are redacted, but he turned up um dead, allegedly of a suicide, but it was really, um, really sketchy circumstances. It was really uh gruesome and his uh, widow gave like this incredible interview that's like an hour long um i can i can link to you for for the audience if you're interested it is really hard to listen to but it's very thorough and it's very interesting um and it's clear to me that like yeah the local population didn't buy this narrative and i don't know like what happened you know 9 11 happened kind of you know and it kind of eclipsed all of this speculation in a lot of ways It, it became not okay
1: yeah, and I think it's really incredible that Wendy S. Painting, who is, like, uh, I had never heard of before this, like, you know, did this deep dive, um, because I think it was a pretty risky thing to do. Um, Can and- I ask, like, what's her angle on the book?
2: I Like, what's her thesis? Cause I didn't actually read her um, text, but I am familiar with her a little bit. She wrote the documentary, um- I guess.
1: Yeah, I don't think she has... I mean, her thesis is certainly that, like... I don't think she believes at all that the official narrative. But it's kind of told in this, like, here's all these different, like, versions of the story um, way. So I thought it was very narrative and, like, actually really, like, beautifully written. But her, like... Um, She's a great writer, but her, her, I don't, I, I, at least in my sense of the book um, and I'm not, you know, maybe I'm not as smart as other people, but in my sense of the book, she doesn't come up, she doesn't come across as saying like, this is what happened. You know, Mm -hmm. it's more like, let's look at like the way the government talked about this, the way the media talked about this, the way people in Oklahoma talk about this. And let's sort of like kind of try to create a, and I want to be like, fully clear. I read, I read the book, but I did not read every single one of her footnotes, which are extensive. <laughs> so I could have, I could have, like, I skipped past all of that. So I'm sure there's a ton of shit in her footnotes. I mean, it's incredibly well-researched, but you know, I was trying to just get, I was trying to like front load as much information as I could into my brain before this. Um. So anyway, so Wendy, if I got lot, any of that really. wrong, I'm sorry, but I, I do think it's an incredible, like noble, undertaking that she uh you know she tried to you know bring this back into the consciousness and I think it's kind of worked you know like Mm -hmm. um and I, I talked to um someone who knows her I guess I shouldn't say just in case it's I don't know maybe it's not I'm not supposed to but anyway another friend of the pod who was telling me that like she basically made like no money off of it so um you know it's it was like not a it was definitely a labor of, you know, like an academic totally. labor of love, not a, I'll you, know, show
2: it was like, you know, Ed Opperman yeah. over it.
0: <laughs> yeah, I don't know. I did not deep dive into like Oh, the- man, that was wild. That was crazy. <laughs> I kind of yeah, want to talk about that a little bit just because it was a weird coincidence for me because like I had only heard of Ed Opperman from because, OK, so I bought the book but I haven't read it because as soon as I got it, my wife started to read it. (laughs) And then I didn't want to like discourage her from reading it. So I just kind of let her keep reading it. And then I just was like trying to look up any other like information, like if she was on any podcasts or whatever and was trying to like.
1: Yeah, actually, the again, I I guess I'm I'm not going to say it. Maybe he'd be fine with it. But someone who is like does know her and knows the pod well was telling me that. She's very hesitant to do interviews. Um, and I think this Oppenheimer thing is like probably part of it. Also, just her subject matter, it seems.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Um, I would be scared to do interviews sure. too. Mm-hmm. Honestly, like reading this was scary um, to me. It, it freaked me out. Um, so,
2: intimidation, you know. like it's very consistent. Things that you see with like JFK and like 9 11, it happens here too, definitely. Um, intimidating yeah. Well, and it's amazing
0: it. how often, like, pe- vocal skeptics of government narratives commit suicide. Mm.
1: Mm-hmm. Well, it, it helps their whole it helps their whole thing of trying to make everyone who doesn't believe official narratives out to be crazy, and it, it works. You know, like i I've, I've um told more and more IRL friends, just like private, you know, like my I have a small <laughs> group of friends, so it's not a lot of people, but I've I've let them listen to the pod and it's so interesting because like some of them will like talk to me about how uh stuff we talked about made them think about things differently like you know they think about the moon landing differently now but at the end of the day they're like but that's crazy you know what i mean like and so i <laughs> like all these all these suicides and stuff are just more evidence that like anyone who believes this is crazy you, know. well, you made
2: me think about Lizzo very differently, and I don't think it's crazy. You, you totally Lizzo filled me, so it's <laughs> you're getting through. I promise.
1: <laughs> um. So I guess just to go, you took a ton of notes, Pool House. So do you want to <sighs> take us through some of like the early like inconsistencies, like in that first day? <sighs> yeah, Is that a good? Exactly.
2: Sure. I mean, I don't know. Yeah, there's. Yeah, I guess like one. Yeah. Okay. So there's missing. There's all these classic. And like elements, I would say, I guess the first one I guess I would say, and I'm not good at forensics, but I just like have a bullet point, which is like forensics are fucked, which is just like a category which captures like a bunch of like bomb stuff. Like I'm not like again forensics person. And it's interesting because I like, like won't probably mention JFK too much, but that's like a common thing with like the JFK conspiracies, is there's a whole um school of thought around just like the forensics of like the bullet or whatever. And the same here, there's and, and 9-11 too, with the forensics of the buildings collapsing. Um, you see that here and essentially the conclusion though is like this could not have happened with the bomb that they said that timothy mcveigh and harry nichols built which they may or may not have even built themselves it's really really unclear Um, but the footprint like of the explosion is crazy huge and in classic fashion you know the building just gets um swept away like really really fast um it's wild, in fact, that they just demolished the building. and, Like, again, a crime scene, you know? It's
1: one of those things where... Just, just, just to point it out, they just did this again in Uvalde. Like, I have a friend who's doing all this reporting in Uvalde, and, like, they just did that again. They tore mm. down the building.
0: They, like, they they demolished the whole school, yeah. Wow. So, this,
1: this happens all the time. They just tear... Anyway, whatever. Sorry, I just wanted to point that out, that mm-hmm. this literally just happened again. Like, a weird, like, we're just... We're done, you know?
0: But it's also another thing, like similar to, you know, watching the video of, of the towers collapsing or something. Like, if you look at the photos of the building after the bombing, it just clearly doesn't look like it came from, like, it, it basically what it looks like is a, a whole so- face of the building just like blew out. Mm-hmm. But there, if the truck was like on the ground, you th- there would have been force like downward as well right that would have like exploded like a giant crater in the ground or something there was nothing like that it,
2: not officially it was supposedly this little rider truck or it, not little i guess but i don't know rider trucks are time kind of time a dozen it seems there were multiple rider trucks based off of just like kind of eyewitness accounts uh but yeah i think you're right and there's reports of multiple explosions and multiple devices on TV, like you can watch the original, like freaking, like reporting, which is hard to find. You have to go to horrible, like scary websites, like like BitChute or whatever, or like this weird Russian like um, Google that I'm using. I don't know exactly what exactly it is, <laughs> but like um, it was really useful and resourceful, and it got me into with like the actual footage. And it really is wild to see them say all these things live on TV and talk about heroes going in and like taking these like devices out after the explosion, and then like Connie Chang like shows up like. <laughs> literally just the whole story flips on a dime and that's what like lives on you know um, and then we yeah, really I got you finished I just, I guess like when you realize um, like that that can happen like that when you just like look peer under the hood for a second and see all these like, like creepy crawlies of like inconsistencies it's wild to read like the Wikipedia back and be like no that's like how did you come to that conclusion and you start to really question I guess all like how sturdy are any n- narratives I guess you know mm-hmm.
0: Yeah, and I also mean, another weird thing about the just like the early kind of narrative that emerged, right, is like for the first like twenty four hours or maybe forty eight hours or something, the media was saying that it was Muslim terrorists, right, and then all of a sudden that went away.
2: Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. uh, and
1: that's I guess that's another huge inconsistency we should just like point out is that all of the eyewitnesses, pretty much every single one. So there were multiple people they saw in and around the, the rider truck. So that's another, like, just like, so we have the forensic inconsistencies, literally the building looks like what they say happened, did not happen. Just mm-hmm. looking at the pictures. Then we have the multiple eyewitness accounts that there were more than one person with Timothy McVeigh, you know, all of that. So mm-hmm. the, just to kind of like point out for listeners, these are like some of the major early inconsistencies. And I would add The one other thing the documentary brought up as far as forensics goes is they actually literally have a rogue leg um which they could never identify so like that was another weird like there's was more people there than you know what i mean like <laughs> yeah they were, how do we have this like extra leg it's a very morbid detail but it's true it's like who the fuck is whose whose leg is this even so. the
2: wikipedia it, the, i think it says officially like a, a, at least 168 people died it says something like very like vague it's not a firm number it's really wild because it's it is true it's like that's almost an inconsistency in itself. How do you not have a firm accounting of like every victim in this building when you, I mean, I don't know. It's, it's pretty wild, but it's, it's,
1: um, yeah, it's a federal building. You surely there's some sort of sign in procedure to even enter the building. So who was in the building? Shouldn't so
2: people. Be. there's people in atf jackets this woman um i think it was in that documentary or maybe another one where she's like a personnel like she worked with the union or something she knows people in the building and she sees like atf people and they're in jackets and she's like atf people don't wear jackets that say atf here you know um and there's a similar eyewitness account with fbi people being like on the scene within five minutes even though the fbi office was like a half hour away or something and, you know, who are who are these people uh, posing, uh, you know, as uh, first responders in the chaos? Well, that's
1: going to be as as my like organized brain, that's going to be the third inconsistency is a lot of evidence of prior knowledge. Oh. Mm-hmm. So we'll, we'll throw that in. There was weird stuff happening around the building before the explosion that led people who worked in the building or were in and around the building at the time to be like, what is going on?
0: And Mm -hmm. I think, too, at first, they were also just trying to pin it on Timothy McVeigh as the lone wolf, right? And then basically there were just too many witnesses that were like, no, there was definitely like at least one other person. And then, you know, whatever, Mm -hmm. like the fake Mm -hmm. manhunt for John Doe number two or whatever.
2: Which is like... Weird because he goes away. And it, that was a real thing. I mean, that was a thing that happened. Like there was a man that was like in like responsible for a bombing that we were supposed to look for. and they, walked it back and that was i mean looking back now i'm like wow they that was like a r- real big undo button that they just pulled there like they do that all the time now but like at the time that was kind of unheard of for like janet Reno to go from like we'll leave no stone unturned to like john Doe, who like no it's okay I, you know
1: <laughs> wild and the fact that like the atf offices are in this building and not a single atf agent died and then there was um and then there was You know this claim that two agents had been these like heroes in the building, but their stories are impossible because one of them claimed that they were in an elevator when the bomb happened. But uh, again, friends, the elevators were um, were shut. I mean, you couldn't. No, no human could have um, gotten out of those elevators. So it's like all these. So that's another big thing. So it's like why the how could it be possible that all of the um, ATF agents didn't go to fucking work that day. I mean, that's, doesn't make any sense, you know? So there's, there's this rumor of a page that went out telling them not to come into work. You um, see
0: that with like nine 11 to, you know, like a lot of people, important people just happened to not be there that day. <laughs> so. Well, nine 11 is also,
1: I mean, I guess another example of where like when I looked at like the building, in Oklahoma city, at least the footage that's available to it, it does seem like more people should have died. And, like, I remember feeling that way mm. even as a kid after 9-11. I was like, it seems like more people should have died. I mean, that was crazy to look at. You know what I mean? Like, mm-hmm. lower mm-hmm. Manhattan. Mm-hmm. And so, so there's also these weird, like, it's just like things that don't make sense with, like, the official death count and all of that. So, mm. um, you know, the thing that I... So that's 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 all of this. I mean, that's some of the major inconsistencies, and they are major. I just think that what I couldn't come to, and maybe we'll just get there at some point in this conversation, is I couldn't figure out a why, like you know what I mean. Which is frustrating Mm -hmm. for me because it's like I there's a lot of evidence of a cover up of some kind, but it's like why that's what was hard for me to kind of pin down. Like what, yeah. So that was, yeah. that's a difficult. difficult question. Well,
0: I, think, I, I think there are, there are, in my opinion, answers to that question and, and multiple answers really. So I think we could talk about that. I feel like pool house, you probably have some. No,
2: answer. actually I go for it. I'm really actually curious about uh, yours. Cause mine have changed a little bit since reading actually even Corbidale's piece, but um, oh, yeah, I, I'm curious. Go. Go
0: for it. Well, um I mean, I would say the first thing that comes to mind is just sort of a general like continuation or escalation of like the this whole strategy of tension idea um, which for those who don't know, I, I think it comes originally from um, operation Gladio in in mm-hmm. uh, Europe uh, or like Italy primarily after, World War II when like NATO basically um, orchestrated like regime change and, or just control of the, of the region by staging a bunch of like false flag terrorist attacks and kind of, um, I don't know, justifying the need for like a strong government to you know, maintain order or whatever. Um, So to me, it definitely kind of fits in with that um, mm-hmm. sort of mode of governance, which seems to have kind of dominated um, the past few decades. Um, but then there's also other things. Like, I think Poolhouse House mentioned this. Like, I, and I, I don't even know about this, so maybe you can elaborate. But, like, that there was some, uh, assert- at least some people claiming that, like, there were um, – whitewater um documents at the murrah building oh
2: yeah <laughs> okay <like> <laughs> oh, yeah. Uh, yeah let's talk about I like, so i don't know how verified the murrah building documents are but it is a federal courthouse so you can assume there's at least some good shit inside this building right um so the connections allegedly i've heard it's the clintons did this i mean I, first of all i don't think anyone bombed a building just to get rid of documents Like, i'll make that clear but if it did like happen, you know, that's like a nice uh, side benefit to some well and again
0: that was like them. a 9-11 thing too, right? right? Like in building seven, there were mm-hmm. a bunch of CIA and FBI um offices that had documents there. And totally. Know.
2: Absolutely. Yeah. So there's I guess um so Mena, Arkansas is like a place near, I guess, Oklahoma City. I guess it would fall in that jurisdiction. Um it's a place that's in, it's implicated in Iran Contra, which I use a big air quote, which I think Iran-Contra is actually really a part of this story, to be honest. Um, And that is this, uh, the way that it's told, don't even bother paying attention to that narrative. Iran-Contra is basically the CIA doing uh, business with private businesses and like the mafia, essentially on a bigger scale than they used to do before. And a bunch of operations being run and essentially drug running operations uh, through like official channels, I guess, is a way to, to frame it. Um, and they were doing it in in arkansas allegedly i think timothy McVeigh may have been actually a part of that because we can talk about his record but he alleged that he actually was a part of that in this letter he writes to his sister uh later on that gets published in the new york times but um there's supposedly documents about that in this courthouse which would make sense because there were some prosecutions going on after the um, exposure of, of iran contra and all those associated operations um, and there's also, I think, yeah, something about Gulf War Syndrome. Uh, Len Hurwitz, he's like this really interesting doctor who's involved in like AIDS uh, kind of truth research going way back. In a video, completely unrelated to this I'm watching, all of a sudden he starts talking about Oklahoma City, like which was wild, uh, weird synchronicity uh, recently. And he said that there was uh, things related to Gulf War Syndrome. I heard another kind of sketchy radio interview from the 90s where someone said the same thing, who's claimed to be like a former like CIA or something. But essentially was that the Gulf War syndrome, you know, was like a bioweapon used against like the troops and there was all this evidence of it. Someone was uh, pursuing a case and the whole, uh, you know, case went away, I guess, because it was, you know, detonated in the explosion. I would say take it for a grain of salt, I think to a degree, but it is interesting that there's these um, intersections. Well, I other- think
0: even sort of like the official narrative on Gulf War syndrome kind of acknowledges that it was probably related to this anthrax vaccine or whatever maybe.
2: it's which actually like you can start to connect to um, COVID stuff and COVID research. If you really want to go down that rabbit hole, but it's not, that's not necessarily good. <laughs> <be that> now.
1: Some <laughs> not there also the, I mean, I guess just, just to throw out a, maybe a more mundane reason, which I like to do sometimes, like, isn't there also a possibility that, you know, the pe- these people who were with McVeigh, or these people that he was associating with um, many of them or some of them were feds. And this is a really, this is giving them a lot of benefit of the doubt, but their plan was to halt something like this from happening and they Mm -hmm. just failed and they just failed to do so. And so, you know, making Timothy a lone wolf person is uh, a way to like, not show this like massive fuck up because i mean mm-hmm. i guess the the and i'm just giving yeah again <laughs> a is smiling because he's like that's a very generous a very generous reading but i, I mean I'll, jump all
0: over this one
1: but <laughs> i mean like a lot of like um you know a lot of my understanding like post january 6th and like you know is that the feds are and like the Gresham whitmere mm-hmm. whatever assassination plot is that no like whatever that was that like a lot of these um, a lot of these organizations that we think of as like militia people or white supremacist people are just co- completely um, you know filthy with feds and they are inside of their you know ostensibly to um, report back or whatever like the goings- on of these but they actually, are stoking things too. Um, So that's, I don't know. You could jump all over it a, but I just wanted to offer that as like a more mundane uh, possibility.
0: (laughs) Yeah. Like kind of the, it's not like, it's not malice on the government's part. It's just incompetence. That kind of argument.
1: Yeah. Yeah. They were like, they were just, they, they did know Timothy McVeigh was associating with these people and he wanted to do something like this. And the plan was to, quote unquote, stop it. But they didn't manage to do that. And then when all these people died, they had to come up with, you yeah. know, a way to,
0: yeah. I mean, I get, for like, to me, there's just kind of two angles to, like, push back on that. One being that, like, basically that whole, like, narrative about trying to stop, infiltrate organizations to stop terrorism or whatever has just never really worked in a real way and has always just been an excuse. Like you can look at the, the war on terror, same thing. They basically just find these like sort of loners, like unhinged vaguely types and, uh, and then get them involved in, you know, c- basically create these like <laughs> fake plots mm-hmm. to uh, then like bust them, which was exactly what happened with the Gretchen Widmer thing um also and um yeah you see that all over the place but then on the other hand there's just even specific to this this case like there's all like timothy mcveigh what uh what is that guy's name there's the one like fed guy that he was like working with a lot
2: Um, andreas strassmeyer
0: the german but
2: no this was a different guy like Brescia, michael Brescia
0: maybe i don't know i feel like his name was like terry or something no that's terry nichols um there's a lot of feds in the story but yeah the, the guy who like they basically like gave them a bunch of weapons and was like oh you guys should like come and like pretend to rob me or whatever um and they and like steal their weapons but like basically he just like left the trunk of his car open with a bunch of like assault rifles in there or something
2: well, I feel like there's a lot of these networks. I don't know. They exist. They like these militia networks, I guess you know. And I feel like they're kind of extensions of this same network that's doing like the drug running that's doing this like illegal kind of rogue intelligence operations. To me, it seems like they're, there's this idea that they're infiltrating these networks. I think they're kind of like kind of creating them, and like they're also functioning as sort of like honey honey traps, sort of for people who might get caught up in these. Um, with the like extra benefit of subverting like real militias which it turns out um is in the constitution at least in the bill of rights uh you're supposed to have like a well-regulated one but we have this idea that it's like a bad thing and i started to think about like where did that like idea come from that militia is a bad word you know and it really starts a lot of in a lot of it for me i guess with like oklahoma city um and like what is that you know to me i think there's this movement Yes, there are racist people in it, probably. So I think they tend to overemphasize those kinds of things where they're actually demonizing kind of the flip side of, or the horseshoe of the hippie movement, which are people like living on the land, um, knowing their rights, exercising their rights. I think actually preserving maybe some secret knowledge about how the country actually works, I guess I'll say, like the kind of sovereign, quote unquote, sovereign citizen movement. Uh, it, it's kind of phony, but there's some things that are, I think, true to it. And I think there's a lot of... Uh, Operation to kind of really uh, demonize "quote unquote" patriots because they're a threat to this uh, movement
1: that really wants to take over the country. Yeah, I thought the guy in the documentary that was most fun to listen to for me—that actually made me laugh a lot—was the guy who was like, um, the he was in the grand jury and he like walked, he like walked, he like walked in with the he walked in with the rule book. Yeah, exactly. So he knew what his like rights were as a grand jury member Mm -hmm. Um, and he he was demanding all this stuff. And of course they got him off the grand jury really fast, but that was cracking me up because I was like, this guy is like, walks in, like really knowing his shit. And he, uh, you know, yeah, he fucked up
2: things for them because Javi Heidelberg knew his rights and that's exactly the shit they are trying to think ultimately demonize is this uh, impulse or this kind of like spirit of like American, quote unquote, you know, uh, I don't know, kind of like the people of the land, manufacturers versus, you know, kind of the more elite cartels of like, you know, finance or whatever, you know, there's this kind of dichotomy in the American I don't know, tradition or culture and I think it plays out in an interesting way here because, it, I don't know, it, that's one possibility anyway i guess um i don't know i think also if it was just the way it played out it's still quite interesting Goreville made a really persuasive argument for the fact that like <laughs> i don't know what do you do if you are in a position of a state that murders children like with with reckless abandon on tv for everyone to watch on the fucking evening news like if you really are so bothered by that what is the recourse and i don't advocate blowing up a building for it but The idea that there is some kind of, um, I don't know, almost like fundamental reaction or response that a person would have on a philosophical level. I know he used the word justice, like the idea that Timothy McVeigh was seeking justice, the fact that we can't even entertain that, that, that's considered completely off the table. It's like, no, no, he's this bad guy. Well, why can't we talk about the fact that the government killed children, like literally like before everybody's eyes on TV, you know, that there was never any reckoning for that. So... I don't know. Like even the official narrative to me, it ties to a conspiracy quote unquote in a way, because it just highlights this violence by the state.
1: Yeah. And has done it a lot. I mean, like that's the thing that I think is like frustrating <laughs> to me. It's like, you know, the government, I mean, like you, 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 if you even want to go from like leftist standpoint, I mean, I, I bring up the move bombings again. They killed <laughs> children all throughout that um, there was the Kent State shootings where they killed college students, young radicals, you know what I mean? So it's like, the yeah, so even if you're a left, even if you're like, oh, like I, the Ruby Ridge people and the Branch Davidians, like we're bad people and maybe the government should kill bad people. I mean, even, you know, and the kids, the kids were just collateral. I'm like, the government will kill people who maybe the left would think of as good too, <laughs> you know what mm-hmm. I mean? And there's, oh,
2: and there's a lot good. of
1: examples, and there's a lot of examples of them doing that. So it's like, if you think that there, it's anything about ideology, it's not, they'll they'll kill anyone who, um, who is, it, it, they see as a threat to them. Um, I also think one, one thing to um, bring up about the word militia, which I think is interesting and, of the pod, fitness feelings has uh, posted about this before. Like um, the Second Amendment is like couldn't be clearer, mm-hmm. um, and it and, and it has a um, it has the word militia in it, which I think is interesting. And it so it's like this word that has been mm-hmm. so demonized is actually in our Constitution. <laughs> the idea mm-hmm. that people have a right to have guns. And they have a right to form militias. And actually, I've, I've been seeing more and more talk, which I find interesting, because I'm wondering if where this is going to go too. But of like, you know, uh, transgender ideology people like are like now all on Twitter being like, "You should buy guns." And there's that weird trans uh, ranch that's like the, <laughs> the unicorn ranch where they're like walking around with like AR-15s and stuff. So it's like. Um, I don't know what, what I, I'm not going to like have any theories about that, but my point is, is that like, technically I I was, I I found that admirable of kind of like the gender ideology movement in the sense that like, if that's a real organic thing they're doing, I'm like, you do have a right to do that. Like you do have a right to harm yourself and, uh, and, and live on property that you own, um, that you have purchased And you are allowed to defend that property that is in our constitution and end of story. I mean, like, so it's, it's interesting to demonize this word, these word, this word militia and like, make it sound like this horrible thing when actually, if you're going to pretend and this, this would have, this also has, you also have to pretend that like the founding fathers who wrote the constitution had like you know the citizens best interests at heart which they didn't they were like a you know landed aristocracy themselves trying to maintain their own power but my point is is like if you are going to laud them as these great thinkers they put a function in this country that allows citizens to own and defend private property and they mm-hmm. used the word uh when they made that that very clear rule i would argue
0: and and not only including it but specifically including it like as a check against tyrannical Mm -hmm. government Mm -hmm. authority
2: exactly they're supposed to exist they exist so that the government can't do things like fire a church or fire a community center or any of the other like horrific uh you know incidents that are these like gladio style operations that we see these horrible horrible events that's why it's there it's partly you know to prevent them from doing that or to give them a little bit of fear
1: yeah and i don't i mean listen i don't like guns i've never touched one many of my family members own guns and it freaks me out i don't like that they're like I've, I've been in houses my whole life where people have guns. Uh, My parents have guns. Like, you know, I just, I don't like it, but I'm like, it is their right. I mean, (laughs) and I, and I also don't want the government to be the only people who have guns. You know, exactly.
2: not. <laughs> I don't know. There was, uh, I found documents. There was something called PATCON that was going on, I guess, at the time, which to me, it was an FBI operation um, that allegedly, I guess, like Waco may have been a part of it. To me, it, it seemed like a operation chaos for like the Patriot or right wing movement, which is like a operation chaos was like an infiltration of the hippie and, and the left wing movement of the sixties to kind of like detonate it from inside. And I think a lot of what we were seeing, like in those uh, operations was like, example, making an example of people who, you know, do things like separate or have guns or, or organize amongst themselves in the case of like Ruby Ridge and, and Waco um, or, you know, just show like, I don't know, it just, it was, it, it seems like I, if Oklahoma City was not what it seems and it really was a government operation, it would fit with the profile of something like this PatCon operation, which was to, you know, discredit those, those movements.
1: So, yeah. So back to Oklahoma City um, and what happened there. I, I I'm, you know, I'm curious what you make of the fact that, like, I know Timothy McVeigh was obviously... Uh, yeah, I think we lost
0: Q. Wait, he's Q? coming back. This is like a segment of the show, and now it's just, like, Q dropping out. Q Wait, drops. Was- yeah. You can't hear. Him. Okay, we are back now. You're back.
1: Oh, you couldn't hear me for a second? Yeah. It was just a second.
2: But you should cut cue drops. I think you should make a segment <laughs> and just add like a little like segment from like the action, like the other cue, the cue, you know, the cue tard cue.
1: All right. Sorry. I didn't mean to be, uh, I, I don't know why that happened. But anyway, I was just saying that, um back to, well, now I don't even know, know what I was saying. I got all confused. Um, I was just wanted to get back to the McVeigh thing because I was yeah. like, that's what we're talking about. Um, I think it's interesting, like, why, and this is, like, again, my, like, skeptic's mind, like, even if he, sa- he was going to get killed anyway. So, like, why didn't he just go balls to the wall, like, at his execution and just, like, turn and... You know, say like, mm-hmm. and just say like, every you know what I mean? Like, they'd already discredited him so much, and it's like I, I think that that's an, another interesting.
0: Um, well, does the book? Um, does the book go? This is something I just I don't even know that much about it, but I'm aware of this narrative that the execution itself was like a hoax. <laughs> um,
1: let, let me get, what 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 have what have you read about
0: that? I don't know. just people saying that, like, I don't know, it was just like really weird and that he basically like didn't react at all and like looked like he was alive, or I don't know
2: uh, he locked I think it was a documentary. I don't know. <laughs> Uh, Gore Vidal said he locked eyes with the witnesses. Uh, Gore Vidal was invited by Timothy McVeigh, by the way, to be. To the
0: execution. Yeah. Wild,
2: but he couldn't make it, I guess. But uh, yeah, he said the the witnesses, like, he locked eyes. His eyes didn't shut either, which I found horrifically creepy. Um, But yeah, I don't know. I remember thinking at the time it happened A, it was very fast. It was really wild that that, like, uh, execution took place, like, you know, in such a short time. Um, but also, like, kind of thinking, like, is this real, you know? And I don't know, maybe, I, I don't know what I think about that. But there is an a open window, I think, there for, like, investigation.
1: Yeah. Yeah, so he wasn't even actually killed. I'm actually trying to, like, fast forward to the book right now. So you guys talk for a minute, because I want to get to that part. <laughs> Wait, did I, I heard, like, Jolly
2: West. Is this true, Jolly West? Like, this kind of famous, like, CIA doctor who turns up in, like, every conspiracy theory, um, like, from, like, JFK to... He, he interviewed like Sirhan Sirhan. He interviewed Jack Ruby. He interviewed like, uh, or worked with, you know, oh, Charles Manson. He's
0: like the psychologist or something like that. Yeah,
2: a- he's based from UCLA. I think he might have paperclip, uh, Project Paperclip Ties. Uh, I don't know, he's um, MP Ultra Ties for sure. Um, and I heard it was like on a sketchy 90s website kind of thing. So I don't Operation know if
1: it's true. Is the,
0: but, for those who aren't aware, is the one where like they just made a bunch of Nazis um, work for like, Okay, I found, I
1: found it. Are you ready? A, because I found it.
0: Uh, yeah. Let's. Yeah. What does it say? All right,
1: I just. <laughs> I was trying to find this page. Okay, so um, in aberration, uh, Wendy writes. Among the most striking of these series, or at least the strangest, is one about McBay's death, or rather his immortality. While speculative elements of this story were publicly told and circulated prior to his criminal trial. It was expanded upon immediately after his execution. On June 12th, 2001, a story appeared on the internet entitled, The Big Bag Wolf is Dead, or Is He? For years, said the internet post, there were rumors that McVeigh had been trained by the U.S. military to take a fall for the unexplainable. The trial was a show, and the execution would be faked, with McVeigh's full cooperation— he had been trained in part of an M- ultra like program to withstand his prison sentence and told he would be given millions of dollars and a new face and a new identity and sent to South America if he cooperated with the public deception. In May 2001, perhaps in an attempt to repair the credibility damage done when they wrongly declared McVeigh dead weeks before his ex- execution, Weekly World News announced Timothy McVeigh is alive. The CIA said the tabloid staged the terrorist's death gave him reconstructive uh, surgery and set him loose to start his new life underground. In the months and years to come, such stories continue to proliferate. What is not widely known is that as with all uh, the other conflicting narratives about McVeigh and the bombing, McVeigh himself first voiced the essential elements of this apparently delusional story. The earliest trace of it that I have found occurred in August, 1995 in a memo written by Randy Coyne, McVeigh said "Coin raised the possibility of a plea bargain. He said the government could use me for a special mission. They could say they executed me. They want to punish me. They wouldn't have to worry about losing me. While admitting the chances of this happening were remote, he insisted this was a possibility. It is unknown when the possibility that he would escape death first occurred to him, but by 2001, it grew beyond speculation and developed into his occasionally stated belief. I'll read one more paragraph. In 2011, Randy Coyne referred to this, the last guilty agent story McVeigh told, as the Bourne scenario, a reference to Jason Bourne, the central character of a series of spy novels written by Robert Ludlum, blah, blah, blah. When the jury returned with the guilty verdict, McVeigh seemed stoic, forlorn, but didn't seem afraid. I think for the most part, he was realistic. There were moments of, I don't know how to describe it. A psychiatrist would say there were moments from time to time where he entertained the delusion that there might be some way he would not be executed. There were delusions he had. He thought about the possibility of the porn scenario and talked about being a special assignment guy and not being executed for the bombing. He sometimes mentioned he thought maybe they would pull him out at the last minute and fake his execution and he would be placed on special assignment and used for something. So there is, I guess, he himself was saying that as early as 1995, just to throw that into the mix. Mm -hmm.
2: Interesting. Wow. Yeah. um, It's interesting, the part about kind of this story circulating that and going into Weekly World News. uh, I feel like that seems like disinformation a little bit to me. They'll they'll use tabloids kind of for that purpose. But then it makes me think there is some truth to it somewhere in there. Um, And I think that that whole analysis was fascinating that he would think it it definitely seemed he was under the impression he was a secret agent. He writes this letter to his sister that um, eventually is published in The New York Times, where he says he was like in the Special Forces, which in the official narrative, he didn't actually make the cut. Like he was trying to get in, like special forces and like, the, the Navy or whatever. And like uh, he, he doesn't get in it. But the, the kind of alternative theory is that he actually did uh, get in it through this process called cheap dipping, which essentially means that he uh, secretly is kind of enrolled or admitted into this intelligence unit, but ostensibly is discharged from the military to mm-hmm. go off and do these kind of um, operations or whatever. That's his story officially uh, at some point, you know? Mm-hmm
1: yeah and there's there was no autopsy done on his body it was very like yeah, osama no bin. autopsy yeah yeah it was very it was very osama bin laden in that way where uh-huh. they were like oh he's dead oh we've mm-hmm. completely disposed mm-hmm. of the remains in a way that no one could possibly ever <laughs> find <laughs> find him like i you know it was, it was very like that it was like oh but well he's burned and he's ash now and uh that's that buried at sea, and everyone should move on. There's a mm-hmm. new Katy Perry song out, or
0: whatever.
1: <laughs> <laughs> the, uh, or Lewis Free, the FBI director,
2: who kind of oversees a lot of these '90s things. He's the FBI director the whole decade from '93 to 2001. He steps down in the same month of the execution. Um, I think because of uh, public pressure. So I mean, it, it is interesting, though, because I found the timing auspicious a little. Um, and plus, the uh, you know, the, of course, 9/11 being three months later um, and kind of making all of these outstanding questions like Timothy McVeigh and Chandra um, Levy, who went missing that summer. There's a lot of things that were happening at the time, the missing trillions from the Pentagon, a bunch of um, outstanding questions kind of got put on hold and, yeah. and never returned to. And D- Timothy McVeigh is a big one. I, I think it's, the, and all of Oklahoma city, you know, we stopped talking about it.
0: Well, the Pentagon yeah. thing was crazy, right? Like that was Donald Rumsfeld was, <laughs> I guess, Bush's defense secretary. And September 10th, 2001 he announces that like several trillion dollars went missing from the Pentagon Mm -hmm. and then at you know except the following day something happened and suddenly that was never mentioned again basically
2: there's a really direct parallel there too where uh with 9-11 to me with the 1996 uh, anti-terrorism bill i think it's called it's passed as a response to uh, oklahoma city it's exactly one year to the and one day they do it on april 20th uh, 420 happy 420 1996 Mm -hmm. goodbye to your rights and it's crazy i don't know i was reading quotes uh, it it, from bill clinton that's crazy how it was framed basically and there was a lot of the polling at the time that was like would you be willing to, you know, give up your rights, you know, in exchange for, you know, protection against domestic terrorism? Which is a funny question to ask people just randomly, but that's, you know, what they do. And people said yes, you know, and they were kind of putting that into the public's mind. They did take away a lot of rights. I think that's when no-knock warrants kind of came into uh, legality. Um, it's it's it, it was a significant bill, and it was also basically the basis. Everything that didn't make it in that bill became part of the Patriot Act five years later. Which um, Joe Biden, by the way, everyone should know, bragged about authoring both of these things like publicly many times uh, yep. on camera.
1: And I think the answer is like a clear for a lot of people. I mean, sadly, it's like a clear yes. Like I remember after September 11th, you know, like I was living in Texas, and there was like every house had the american flag mm-hmm. um flagging. everyone was saying things like really insane things like um i remember that was when the whole like racial profiling thing was coming up and they were like mm-hmm. oh should we stop uh should we be stopping um <laughs> middle eastern appearing people at um airports and stuff like that and mm-hmm. like you know the government was like oh no, no no we're not talking about that and then like i remember all these people being like well why not? Like, why wouldn't we talk about that? Like, isn't that, you know what I mean? Like, isn't it statistically more likely they would be terrorists according to everything that you've been telling us? And I don't know, it was just um, fascinating. I also wanted to add something weird in that I just found uh, like that I was um, because I wondered what happened to Carol Howe. Um, (laughs) And apparently she's been underground for um, like, she changed her name and Mm -hmm. has been told, the radar but apparently columbia pictures is making a movie about her right now Uh, what
2: (laughs) who's playing her
1: who should i don't know (laughs) my gosh (laughs) (laughs) leanne (laughs) moore that'd be awesome i just think it's funny i also i I went to see um infinity pool the other day this this does tie in i promise and one of the commercials is for this new um eco-terrorist movie about these um uh, eco-terrorists who blow up a um a pipeline that's being planned <laughs> oh um, Lord. That Sounds amazing. and i was like and i was just i just remember like while watching it and i was i turned to my friend who i was with and i was like god they always fucking do this like they built the fucking pipeline they did fuck up those native american lands and now they're gonna make a movie about like these like Mm-hmm. I guess like sort of like brave eco terror, like some sort mm-hmm. of like alternate uh, reality they're going to put out of, mm-hmm. you know what I mean? So I don't know. I just thought it was interesting that she's getting the Hollywood treatment, possibly even having sold her, uh, you know, her life rights wow. <laughs> wherever she is. So that's weird too. But yeah, I guess the idea that like he's not even dead um, is one of the only explanations like I could come up with for, Um, The fact that he wouldn't just, if if everything he was saying was true and at the very last minute, he realizes that he's going to, um, they are going to kill him, you know, like that's what he thinks is happening. (laughs) Um, And Gore Vidal and all these reporters are staring at you about to die. It's like, that seems like that would be the moment if he knew he was going to die, that he would just say something very revealing, yeah. but he but he didn't. So I think that that's interesting. It's also interesting that Terry Nichols and his wife are in witness protection now, um, and they did get completely new identities and stuff like that. So there's a lot of there's a lot of that going on. Also, reading about Carol Howe having essentially disappeared um, sometime in the late '90s, I just find there's a lot of people who are just kind of gone you know
2: i don't know i feel like the gore vidal piece kind of made me think that i could see an angle where timothy mcveigh was set up was part of an operation and still doesn't spill the beans or take credit for it uh, or so to speak um and it was sort of through like his correspondence with him i don't know i could see this uh i guess narrative where i guess Timothy McFay is part of this operation. Whatever Oklahoma City is, it's it's bad, you know, and there's this kind of quote-unquote deep state element that is doing this bombing for nefarious reasons. He probably doesn't think he's going to get in trouble for it. Somehow ends up holding the bag for it and would be in this kind of opportunity to uh, spill the beans and, and go public. But A, it's not going to probably work. Like, no one's going to listen to him. But he was... He was selected for this work because of his like racist wow. views. I think like that is I, uh, something I read in in some of the profiling. It came up. He espoused that in the military. He was probably chosen to be a psycho killer because he was a psycho Nazi killer. Like right, they they liked him for that reason. He was brought into this, and maybe like in a sense, like he after seeing what they would do to him or in the way that... Because I think also, like, whatever bomb he was working on is not the only explosion that happened there. It seems to me there was probably another team um, another explosives being done. Well,
1: he, I mean, this is one thing that came up in the book that he expressed shock that the bomb mm-hmm. that he built could possibly have created the damage mm-hmm. that it did. So he was even, like, when he was initially being interviewed, he's like, I had no idea it would take this fucking building down and like, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like, so, so that, that I thought was also very fascinating that like, he was involved in the making of the bomb, obviously would have done some research about it and then was shocked at the amount of damage it could possibly, I mean, it looks like a fucking missile hit the building. I know so it's like, like neutron bomb.
2: Like it's what it's described <laughs> as, you know, I don't know. I just think like, maybe he is a kind of a way to maybe galvanize or motivate um this quote-unquote militia movement that he is now the kind of like face of, uh, not taking the credit is a sort of way of becoming kind of like a martyr in a sense, and kind of I don't know going against this deep state that kind of used him and that he saw it as being just like a, a, another puppet of like they disposed of him. He's a patsy, you know. In this, you know, in this narrative, um, and he sent a quote to Gore Vidal from H.L. Mencken that was I think I think it's a clue. I don't know. Maybe he just said every the, the quote is every man. Every man must be tempted at times to spit on his hands, hoist the black flag, and begin slitting throats. And like the black flag is kind of like a synonym of, a bit for like a false flag. I don't know. I, there's something to it. I don't know. I think Timothy McVeigh is correspondence, which was extensive with Gore Vidal and sassy. He like sasses Gore Vidal at one point. It's wild. Um, I think he was maybe dropping some kind of, I think you can read between the lines a little bit in those, um, in those letters.
1: And it's, interesting. Uh, it's,
2: I don't know. It's one angle i guess
1: yeah and i do think like creating a domestic i mean i agree with you a that what you, what you were saying earlier that like creating a domestic terrorist threat is useful for the government because it justifies all sorts of things you know and like they have to periodically remind us that like there is this domestic terrorist threat like most recently with like january 6th and as long as they're kind of like continually reminding people like well, it's not just foreign um, <laughs> Chinese air balloons you should be scared of, but it's your own neighbors. It's your own uh, people like that are kind of, you know, right next to you and like maybe even people, you know, and um...
2: more your neighbors, like not even the balloon. You should really fear your neighbors. Don't worry about that Chinese balloon over there. Like <laughs> people with the MAGA flag or
1: Yeah. And now the militia movement, weirdly, this new thing they're very invested in. I mean, I, I, not to tie, well, no, I I think it's worth tying more modern, but it's like, they, they're now doing all these like militia who even knows who these people are because they always have fucking masks on. But like, you know, now they're claiming like, Oh, the militia movement is attacking the drag queen story hours. Mm -hmm. Um, And like, now there's all these videos online of like these like people with ski masks on, like, surrounding these like public libraries to stop these drag queen story hours. And that's like the new faith. So it's like, it's like, there's constantly these like trying attempts at like reminding people, like there's this scary, like internal Mm -hmm. threat, Mm -hmm. you know, and that you need to be very worried about it because yeah.
0: Yeah. It goes the other way too. I mean like Antifa or whatever, you know, and Mm -hmm. then all the conservatards are like terrified of Antifa and you know,
2: these crazy libs are, you know. It's a culture of trauma. It is, yeah. you know, it's a series of shocks. It's a, a series of shocks. And each time there's this little bit of erosion on the Bill of Rights or whatever, uh, on the morality or like moral of this, the country, you know. I don't know. And, and at the Tree of Liberty, I feel like it's like explosions out of the, the like foundation of like the structure of what keeps our like country separate. And again, separate. And I really think there is something uh, you're right, Q, like uh, the founding fathers weren't perfect and they didn't get it all right. But I, I kind of see them as like, like more of like an opening salvo and like maybe like a insurrection of like long term strategy. Like an intergalactic rebellion was started. It was 1776. <laughs> and that is what they're really, I think, trying to stamp out every, you know, from this country. I think that they want to take away this idea of sovereignty because it really is. Uh, a radical departure from the like kind of the old world order and i think that's really preserved within these patriot kind of movements and that they don't want people to know that and then the way i feel like oklahoma city was like they blew up like kind of the heartland like the organicness of it it was like this attack inside the heartland of the country and this kind of fake version of the heartland kind of got engineered and especially after 9-11 this kind of like I know like new country like shop set like i don't know like i don't know where they shop walmart i know this kind of like very like polished like hallmark tv version of like conservative what's acceptable to be like a quote unquote real american changed it became really corporatized and like secretly branded by you know mckinsey and madison avenue and it was like kind of uh laundered through these like trauma like literal explosions literal shocks to the system
1: yeah I think it's clear, like, I definitely, after doing all this research, like, don't believe that, like, the official narrative is true at all. And it actually gave me this really, like, kind of, like, dark pit soul, maybe Mm -hmm. black pill feeling in my soul, because I'm like, how can you possibly, um, you know, go against any of this? Because it's like, you know, they will just, uh, they'll just kill you. You know, that's, that's it. Like you can't even, you can't even like, I feel like the branch Davidians like prove that you can't even like, you know uh and maybe like, you know, again, this, like uh I was talking about that trans armed ranch, who knows what's going to happen there, but like <laughs> you can't even like buy a bunch of property and like go mm-hmm. off and try and be off the grid and not rely mm-hmm. On, um, you know, kind of like the broader network, because if you do, you're not even going to be left alone. If you do that, it's, it's not even you don't even have to actually be trying to alter the country. It's like they won't even let you, you know, be the be a be like have your own domain or whatever. Right. There's a way
2: back. I don't know. I think it's through kind of organization, I guess, like decentralized networks. I don't know. Maybe it's uh, naive or optimistic, but I think there is a path back and it's through sharing information. I think, first of all, it, it's like ultimately an information war against us but with, um, with like, Armed trans people, maybe also trans furries. I think too are actually a bigger threat than anyone is talking about. Uh, that that's the real face of the militia movement in this country. It's terrifying, <laughs> like trans flag armed uh, furry. I don't know. But,
1: <laughs> well, I was I was trying to think too. Like I was reading about Elohim City, and I was trying to think like how do I actually feel about that because I I do find like obviously I find race like racist ideology uh, abhorrent, and like I don't think that you know uh i don't believe like and any of that but i'm like do i really think do i really think that like you shouldn't be allowed like if let's say there was a black separatist movement which there have been mm-hmm. in the in u.s uh history i'm like what wh- why do we care if someone as long as they're not um hurting anyone what? or attempting or attempting to kill people or harm people in any way it's like why do we care if like you know Mm -hmm. 80 80 white people want to go live on some like trailers and some like shithole you know part of oklahoma and like talk about being white like Mm -hmm. i mean it's
0: a threat to the sovereignty because it'll be like if they just let it happen right then like some other people be like oh that seems chill like Why don't I try that, right? And then, you know, it's, like, all of a sudden, like, the government has no authority anywhere. (laughs) I understand that. I was just trying to place, like, where
1: I feel about that. And I'm, like, I don't really worry about that. Like, Mm -hmm. Elohim City was all based on also, like, they hated gay people. That, like, they wanted, you know, they they, they were into all that. But I'm, like, I don't really care if they're... Out there, raising their own families that way, um you know, as long as the kids, when they're eighteen, I I get
0: what you mean. Yeah, yeah. yeah,
1: Like I'm just, I'm just placing my own morality. Like, 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 I, like, I would I want to go hang out there? No. Mm -hmm. Do I think those sound like cool people? No. I think they sound like ugly, dark-hearted people who aren't interesting to me. But do I care that they're out there? No. As long as when they're kids are 18 they're able to like leave they're not like they're not like imprisoning anyone i'm kind of like if that's mm-hmm. you know do your thing like if that's mm-hmm. what you if that's what you feel you need to do and you can you can do it i i don't really think the government should eradicate they certainly shouldn't go kill uh 23 kids uh right. to stop to stop people from doing that what are some of the crazy i know pool house you probably have some like what are some what's some of the craziest stuff you read Oh are God. ufos are ufos involved or <laughs>
2: well i mean every it, it's an intergalactic struggle always i guess i'll say that but that's just my personal worldview i don't know that there's a lot tied well, what to do you UFO. mean
1: what do you mean well, let's like let me ask you like <laughs> what, what do you mean by that
2: i don't know it's just like i don't know i guess like i think i think that there's like visitors on our planet maybe that are in conhoots with like bad people to do bad things like collect taxes and I don't know, do human trafficking. I don't know. It's like, it's a theory I'm working out and exploring about. Yeah. Uh, like just the the visitors, like uninvited guests. They're, they're invited by these people like a long time ago. They don't belong here on this planet. And we're not here to really discuss this, but they're working in cahoots. And actually it does tie in because I think it is kind of this system of enslavement. Maybe some people would say it goes too far to say it's intergalactic, but maybe it's, maybe it's just regional to the planet or even to just like a recent civilization. But there is this kind of system that I think does want to undermine.
1: Um, and- oh
0: no. Oh no. Uh, oh no we lost pool house I, oh Hold my on. god he was probably about to say something too big and they cut him off
1: yeah Poolhouse just started telling us about his theories on um, the intergalactic uh, space drop the fuck out I know <laughs> they, they pulled the plug
0: Okay, I'm glad to see that you haven't been like... We were like, maybe they fucking got him. I know, we thought that you pulled the plug. Oh,
2: yeah, I'm not supposed to. That's a sign that I'm not supposed to talk about (laughs) intergalactic. Visitors, which is probably not like what we're here to discuss. Um,
1: you know. <laughs> no, I, I was asking you about it. It was just so funny. I was like, wow, the government like pulled the plug on Poolhouse right happened. as the intergalactic. I, know,
0: I was glad to see that you were still there and hadn't been like extraordinary rendition to a CIA black site.
2: Not yet not yet not like uh not like not not timothy McVeigh. actually we didn't talk about Andreas strassmeyer i don't know oh no actually he's really interesting and also the turner diaries have you guys heard of either of those things i don't know strassmeyer is just this weird guy
1: i've heard of both but don't know a lot about either so i would love to hear some some more about
2: they're related because in elohim city really they're all like i don't know this whole idea. I don't know. Yeah, I'm sure there's racist people again in the militia movements and all of this. That I don't question that. But how much of it gets kind of um, like amplified by a- bad actors who come in and kind of like peddle a bunch of like really racist nonsense. Turner Diaries is this book that's like uh, written by like a psychologist or something. I don't know it's like p- visions of the future where basically there's like this, uh, it's like Zionist occupied government. It's kind of a white supremacist fever dream where everything's just gone horribly wrong for America. And they strike back like by basically blowing up a building sort of similar to um, what happens in real life. And it's cited a lot as kind of like this um, kind of like inspiration, I guess. Timothy McVeigh supposedly carried it everywhere he went. And it's this kind of inspiration or blueprint um, I would say, almost like kind of like predictive programming for this event. Um, but it also feels Oppy in this way where it's just kind of like placed there, like perfectly to kind of just be like the what happens you know and to kind of accomplish that exactly the very ends that it, it achieved which is to be there and then to be something to be like have a backlash against be like oh there's this book and now we need to ban this book and it kind of just creates this whole culture of you know um we need to shut this down there's things that are so dangerous there's pieces of art so dangerous even if it's a trashy book like it's still art and it's uh it became this kind of way of shutting that down i don't know
0: that's uh, interesting. I never knew that. So it's like, oh, like, yeah, like, I mean, this is exactly what happened in the book. And this guy must have did it because he had the book everywhere he went.
2: It, apparently he carried it <laughs> everywhere, but, like Catcher in the Rye yeah. for Mark
0: uh, David Chapman.
2: <laughs> What about the other guy, so, the, the one you mentioned? So is, like, this guy from Germany. His dad was Secretary of State under Helmut Kohl, I guess, who was, like, um, Chancellor of Germany during the time that they, like, uh, kind of brought Russia over. They kind of tricked Russia into doing uh, everything that undid them, basically. Um, and his... So he's, like, kind of connected to this, like, apparatus. Um, he came here... Under questionable circumstances, maybe to work for the DEA, but didn't get that job, which is a weird reason to come to a country if you're not really going to get the job. Seems kind of sheeped that basically sort of like Timothy McVeigh and immediately goes and starts like selling guns at these like militia kind of conventions and movements. Seems like an ob, honestly, like just kind of a human Turner diaries. And he's around and he's like. At Elohim City, he is fucking Carol Howe. She loves, she loves him so much. I don't know. Like, she really, like, falls hard for him. Like, in her testimony, like, wow. Uh, So, but he's just, like, all over the place. And he's planning this whole operation. Timothy McVeigh calls him. He's trying to get a hold of Andrea Strassmeyer like, the day before, like, the bombing. Like, there's a lot of phone Contact between uh, McVay. Some people think they may have seen Strasmeier at like Oklahoma City that morning. He may have been like one of the teams that was present. But just I don't know. He seems Oppie. I don't know like where he came from, why he's there, but he definitely is um, a part of whatever operation they're covering up at, at Oklahoma City.
0: Interesting.
1: Do you think they'll there will have, do? Either of you think there will ever be some? massive leak or some massive (laughs) releasing of what actually happened? Or do you think it's always going to exist in this sort of scary, um, uncanny space that it's kind of like fallen into at this point? I mean, it is interesting that people are more interested in it now. Like I do think the Wendy S. Painting book and like, Mm -hmm. I see more people talking about it on Twitter than I have um, before. So I think it's interesting that it's coming back around. but.
2: Okay. I think that's an op also kind of too, but a a little bit like, okay, maybe not so much. I think the January 6th thing, maybe it, and the the Whitmer thing, whatever the Gretchen Whitmer thing, those are both uh, things that would inspire, I guess, interest or renewed interest. But I was surprised to learn how old the book was. Like it's from like twenty sixteen or twenty
0: fifteen. Um, yeah. So yeah. It, it
2: was that is so trendy. And you're right, Kee, There's a lot of like good bad gays that are like reading the book, and it's like where where is this kind of like meme energy coming from for this book? Um, and I think, okay, I, I saw Jeffrey Tubin has a book coming out in April of 2023, which yeah. I don't like that. And I have a theory that they're going to kind of use this somehow against people in some way. Um, there was an article just, I think, the other day about Ted Kaczynski. It was like, Zoomers are really like into Uncle Ted or Ted Kaczynski, and kind of like discrediting uh, them that way. I know I think there's going to be some kind of way to use it against people so I, I not to not get into it just I would say I mean, just be careful like don't like guess, I don't know I haven't said like I, I don't know don't say anything too great about Tim, the, Timothy McVeigh I guess I don't know maybe I've already broken that rule
1: oh I mean I don't I don't have I don't think he's like a. I, I, I mean like he's like a hero no. or something yeah. <laughs> yeah. But whatever his involvement I mean I there were 19 kids who died and like and he was involved in something terrible and whether he you know he definitely seemed uh and complicit at least in what happened whether he was like the mastermind behind it or not which seems like he certainly wasn't like there was definitely more more other people who were but no I don't think he's I don't think he's any sort of hero and I, I don't think that like um he didn't, you know, he didn't even kill a single ATF agent. So even if we're arguing for this, like, you know, justice narrative, he didn't even actually achieve, Mm -hmm. you know, it'd be better to blow up their Christmas party or whatever. the
2: The office that did Waco, you know, it, it doesn't make sense. Um,
1: Mm -hmm. No. So I, I mean like, you know, no, no, I have no uh, happy feelings about him and I don't think he's a good person. I just, I just think that there's a lot more to the story than that. Um, I
2: will I kind of want to but know. Yeah. So, Josh Hawley, I guess there was an article I found when I was doing uh, some research. It was Daily Cause or whatever, and it was a hit piece on Josh Hawley. And it was basically like Josh Hawley defended Oklahoma City, and this was from a couple years ago. But apparently, Josh Hawley, the senator from Missouri, like kind of like kind of hot one, I guess I'll say he's like this right wing guy. Like he <laughs> saluted January 6th. He's like definitely a very bad guy. You know, we shouldn't ever be uh, saying good things about him when he was fifteen. Josh Hawley wrote an op-ed about like militias, basically defending militias in the wake of Oklahoma City. And essentially it was just kind of like, hey, like they're not all bad. Kind of like what I've been doing, honestly, on this podcast for a lot of the time. And so he did this. And the Daily Cause framed this article essentially. If you read it casually, you would think he said Timothy McVeigh was like his hero. It was pretty crazy. Um, and I think there's a lot of like, I know there's brewing backlash against like kind of like Christian nationalism. I don't know. I feel like there's a lot of threads kind of uh, from the 90s that are kind of re-brewing themselves and kind of uh, constantly kind of realigning here. and it, it makes me a little cautious. I don't know. But I'm still going to read Wendy Penney's book, though. It sounds, it sounds good.
1: And she has a sequel. It was interesting. I mean, to be clear, like, I don't want to live in like a Christian nationalist country. Like I'm a, I'm like a, I'm like a homosexual, like living in the New York metropolitan area. Like I, I have no interest in living in a country that's, uh, you know, like a white Christian nation or something like that. I just, um, I think that we want really clean narratives and that's something that I always push back against, but like, none of these views that are espoused are, are, like, my views. And A and I have said that ultimately, like, our... Uh, we said this a lot on the pod. That ultimately our allegiance is with, like, the common man. Exactly. Of which I mean... Of which I mean, like, all races and creeds. Like, I want them to be... Uh, safe from this like these predatory people who are running our country and that's that's really what i uh that's what i believe and that's why i'm so interested in this stuff it has nothing to do with uh hating anyone um yeah well, you
2: don't want to live in a country where people are being hurt for doing things that you don't like or don't agree with you know it just doesn't i i want to live in a place where people exercise their rights which is to sometimes homeschool your kids or live on your own land and just do what you want and sometimes it's to live in a city and be a gay degenerate and that's wonderful that's the kind of country i want to be in where everyone's doing what they want to do you know what i mean and just like and just vibing like you don't have to be like psycho about it and i don't actually think it's the militias necessarily that are being psycho about it or the like crazy hippies or whatever. I think it is these, like, agitators inside the government that do these, like, just really weird things. Yeah.
1: Really weird things. Um, that, that is my... I mean, that is really, like, truly my belief, is that, like, there's no, there's no one worse than the government. Like, the people... Who, and I mean... And I, I, I sometimes, if we get really abstract with this, like, we right, say right. the government. It's like, it's not... It's like it's not people, but it's, like... It's, like, it is people. They're people just like us, or at least barring intergalactic <laughs> uh like you know uh, barring possibilities of colluding with intergalactic species but like i do think that like the government is made up of people who are whose ideology is is nothing but power mm-hmm. and i think that that is um the worst kind of person um it should and the people who want that type of power shouldn't be in power which i think is like kind of a constant in human history of how do you solve that problem? Like how do you have some sort of structure to society while also acknowledging that anyone who wants power is probably, I don't want power over anyone. Mm -hmm. I don't want to, I don't want to tell other people what to do at all, but the government is filled deliberately with people who, um, you know, uh, do want that. And like, I have, I know people who work in just even like low level government jobs and like, the amount of questioning and background checking you have to go through just to even get Mm -hmm. those low level jobs, like shows you the type of people they're seeking, which Mm -hmm. is like people who are, um, vaccinated, (laughs) interested,
0: mindless authoritarians, basically.
1: (laughs) Uh, They're looking, they're looking for authoritarians. And it's so interesting that like everyone sits around and points the fingers at like X group or this group that they're the fascists. But I'm like, you don't have to even look that hard to see the fascists, like the fascists Mm -hmm. are the people, you know, Mm -hmm. (laughs) who are doing the fascist things, which Mm -hmm. is like keeping the populace in control with these like scary covert um, actions, Mm -hmm. you know?
2: Yeah. Power does corrupt. It's how, how do we as a society learn to distribute power in a way where it's just like, we don't, it doesn't need to be so centralized, I guess. And I think that was kind of part of the initial, move to this country in 1776, again, it was to kind of move away from a more singular form of power through like monarchy and institutions that were very, uh, very controlling the church, I guess, to an extent, and being able to find a way to distribute that power. Maybe the federal government's gotten back to where those institutions were before. And I think that's kind of some of the theme of those like kind of militia movements. But that is also the theme of the like movements of the 60s and and 70s and and that continue today on, on the left as well.
0: The one thing I can say for sure is that like we do not want them to implement this whatever, like digital ID mm-hmm. or like central bank digital currency kind of system because if they get that, that will make it a lot harder to for sure. Um, resist in like any meaningful way, basically.
1: <laughs> yeah. And I, I I actually think like one thing that I've like come to believe is that like the state system is better that like, you know, everyone's always like, Oh, like the state's rights, people are bad, but I'm actually like, I think it's actually maybe better that we had like the, when we had a system where the state's rights was respected, because I kind of like the idea that there's like, kind of like a, you know, all these different places Mm -hmm. that you could live and you, and like, I, I got in an argument with a gay friend, um, recently a couple weeks ago about like the new marriage bill. And I was like, I actually think the new marriage bill is great. And he was like, well, why would you say that? Like that would allow States to, um, I, that would allow States to, you know, like not record like, or not actually it wouldn't even do that. They have to recognize your marriage, but they wouldn't have to perform it. And I was like, I actually think that it's like a weirdly, like, like I don't believe in the government. So I'm like who knows like what really even happened but I'm like it seems kind of like the most recent example I could think of of like a real compromise like that's why I like it you know what I mean like mm-hmm. if Alabama doesn't want to issue um marriage certificates to same-sex couples but they are forced to recognize mm-hmm. your marriage if you move from you know New York to Alabama if you have to for whatever reason. Um, that's, I think that that's like a good compromise almost. And I'm like, and then I also think that like, it's okay to say that like, you should try to go to places where your belief system is being kind of like respected, like almost like, I, I don't, I don't know why that's such a weird thing to say. Like that, you know, we, like, I get that there are a lot of very poor people in this country and they can't always, um, you know, move with like the privilege that like I've, I've been able to have most of my life, but I don't think it's such, a, even though there's flaws in that system, I think it's okay to say that like, there are States that are kind of like this and there are States mm-hmm. that are kind of like this. And as long as no one's being literally um, hurt, I, you know, it's like, I don't really care that I, that maybe in five years, I won't be able to go to Alabama to have to get, to get married. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, at least, at least if my, if I choose to get married, at least if they have to recognize my marriage rights, I go there. That's, that's, that's kind of like, okay with me. Like, you know what I mean? Like, that doesn't bother me that much. Um, It would only bother me if, for instance, like, if I had to travel there, then suddenly I lose Mm -hmm. all those rights. I mean, that would Mm -hmm. bother me. But the idea that like, my rights are protected, even if they themselves don't want to do it. Like actually, I, you know, I I thought that was like kind of an interesting like bill because I thought it was sort of a compromise. And I also like, unlike a lot of gay people, like I do think there has to be, it's kind of my problem with like the gender ideology stuff is like, there has to be some compromises like between different mm-hmm. types of people. Like the only reason the gender ideology stuff has gotten so, Intense is because it's not just, like, I want to live my life, leave me alone. It's, like, I want to change my sex and enter, like, you know, uh, same-sex or, like, like sex-segregated spaces. Mm-hmm. And that's where the problem is. And I've kind of always been, like, a gay person who's, like, okay, there's, like, a cake store in Colorado, that like won't make my cake. Yeah. Like you know what I mean? Like I'm like, okay, I'll go to a different right. cake store. Like, you know what I mean? Like I don't I, I think we I think we do have to make compromises with people who yeah, and like, you know, and then if I don't feel like making a fucking cross cake at mm-hmm. my cake store, like mm-hmm. I think I should that should be fine too. Like if someone came in and was like, I want a giant cross cake mm-hmm. or whatever, or like I, I don't know, or like or I want a Nazi cake. I'm I'm gonna be like, No, I don't wanna make your swastika cake. Mm-hmm. Like go find another place or make it at your house. Like, I don't know. I just, I I think we do, we do have to compromise with people who believe differently than us. I mean, that has to be part of it.
2: Or better yet, your marriage cake of gay marriage isn't representative of some like oppressive global homo like system of like, you know, just total like corporate dominance. You know, it just is a, regular marriage cake and they may not think of it so, you know, horribly, you know what I mean? Like, I think there's a lot of the, the backlash against that, you know, comes from the fact that it's so like so much of a political uh, wave or, or force, you know, it's not just about like people. And that's why I think what you're saying about states is interesting. And I think almost like municipalities and regions are almost even more powerful, you know, because the more you can just kind of build a culture regionally or locally, the the better it is. And that doesn't mean those cultures can't yeah intersect, you know, or, or trade or whatever, or just like get along. But it does make sense for like-minded people to be around each other is that crazy to say like for tribes to form like that's a normal thing in human nature it doesn't mean that they can't like coalesce you know
1: no as long as they're not hurting anyone i think that that should be like kind of like a normal thing and i think a lot of yeah i was actually uh just to tell a funny story like i was actually told to not go into a gender uh gender neutral bathroom (laughs) uh No, well, I was confused because I was walking in, and this woman goes, "Oh no, the men's bathroom is over there." And so I walked, I walked to the other side, which was also gender neutral. (laughs) Interestingly, both sides were neutral, but one side was stalls and one side was urinals. So I walked to the other side, and I was like, "Oh, there's only urinals here," and I don't like peeing at urinals Mm -hmm. because I'm like pee shy. So I was like, "Well, I go back into the." stall side and it was interesting because this woman was like no like you can't pee in here i was like this is the only place there are stalls and it's gender neutral and i was and i was kind of confused like, i was know. like what i was like is it non-binary only like <laughs> i was like and how did how does she know like you know what no. i mean how does she know you're not a big <laughs> no, I mean, she listens <laughs>
0: yeah
1: I always use the gender neutral bathroom at airports too, because it's the only place you can go in and it's like, not uh, there's like no, or the family bathroom. I use the family bathroom. Cause I'm like, I don't care. Like if, if, the, if this bathroom is here and it's a single bathroom where I can lock the door, like who cares? Like, you know what I mean? Like anyone should be able to, yeah, anyone should be able to use it. That's why that's why it's there. The land, I don't know. You know I don't know.
2: In my college, I went to college at like a hippie plantation, but the like dorm bathrooms were fully integrated sex. Like there was like shower, like everyone showered in the same bathroom, boys, girls. There were no they thems yet. They, they were brewing, but they were not there just yet. They had fully <laughs> gestated. So it was weird though. It's kind of like uh funny to think about. I don't know. But yeah, I wish I would have felt it affirmed. Basically, if someone told me to go use the men's room, I'd be like, yeah, that's great. <laughs> that's right. I use that one. Thank you.
1: <laughs> yeah. You have any? And what are you? What are your what are your conspiracies? What's some conspiracy stuff you're really into right now? Pool House? Well, I have
0: a question, actually. Or sure, you want to sure, yeah, sure, go, sure. go ahead. You go. In. This is actually like a good setup for my questions here. Sure. But um this is completely random. And I don't. But anyways, um, so, you know, the song American Pie by Don oh, McLean, sure, yeah, yeah, yeah. and so, you know how it's like about this, like, you know, small plane crash containing a lot of like mm-hmm. prominent musicians, um, and the song is sort of about like, I guess, sort of a vibe shift, a significant kind of vibe shift for the country. And so I don't know, I don't know, like what made me think of it really, but I was just curious if you're aware of any like conspiracy theories related to. um...
2: Sure. Yeah. The day the music died. Well, first I'll say that song is, um, it's magical. It's like a magic, like songs are magic, I guess is what I'll say. Like there's (laughs) lyrics and their melodies, sounds have like impressions and they have emotional uh, reactions Symbols, symbols are crazy when you really think about it. There's a lot of symbols in songs, um, and I actually heard Dom McLean. I worked at the Boardwalk, and like uh, I shouldn't, I'm doxing, but I worked in Santa Cruz where Dom McLean performed a free concert on the beach. He did uh, American Pie, and I was walking by, and it was like the fucking craziest thing like it was like you could feel like this chill like he sang that song and it's a bunch of boomers you know of course they love this song but like (laughs) like, i feel like the ride stopped like everything stopped in that moment it was just like whoa and i like i felt it and i was just like whoa that was like a real thing and i think that song has a significant pull uh or like magnetism almost on like people uh, who are really closely you know like had close proximity i guess to it you know when it came out but even to me and like the next generation's Um, And it does it, enshrines this sacrifice, I guess. Maybe it's another sacrifice of these guys, this plane crash, which is a crazy story in itself where it's like, who is it, Big Bopper? um Richie Valens and uh Buddy Holly and they all got on the plane and somebody else a chubby checker I think was supposed to get on the plane but there's a coin flip I don't know go watch La Bamba it's like it's in there and (laughs) and they crashed it's a horrifically sad thing and it's the uh the day the music died I know there's threes in it there's a lot of symbols in it it could have just been a plane crash but definitely I think um I don't know I think it definitely uh kind of sanctified almost kind of like rock and roll music in this way as like a, as a religion or a myth, a mythical religion, as I guess what I'd say. And that song enshrines it. I don't know about the specifically, because I know there's a lot in it. There's a lot of theories about that song. It's kind of like a Hotel California where there's a lot of readings, you know, of it. You can go really deep and probably every person can find something like of their own, you know, almost in it. Cause it's that like, like kind of like Bob Dylan. It's like that Kabbalistic where the weird, the words are almost like uh, kind of like inscrutable, you know?
1: You know what song I I feel that way about that's, I guess, similar generation was um, Stevie Nicks' The Edge of Seventeen. I always thought thought that song was about Stevie Nicks falling in love Mm -hmm. with a 17-year-old. And I was like, oh, this is, like, subversive. This is, like, you know, like, she's in love with this young guy. Mm -hmm. And then I, like, Googled it, and it's like, that's not what she says it's about at all. And I was like, wow, what is my weird... Wait, what is it supposed to be about? I don't know. She was like, oh, it's about about rebirth and blah, blah, blah. But like, if you listen to the lyrics, Mm. I'm like, it kind of sounds like she's in love with this like 17 year old kid and she feels Mm. really conflicted about it. And she's, I don't know. Like, I was like, and it was the 70s, you know, everyone was kind of doing that thing. So I, I thought it was about that. But apparently, it has some sort of like other meaning to her. But it was just funny how like you can, um, yeah, I don't know. Maybe someone told me that at one point that it was about that, but it's not. White, run, um, well, apparently,
0: a lot of musicians from the '60s and '70s were all like tied up with the military, industrial, mm-hmm. intelligence scene, or whatever. It's, so I don't it's know.
2: All like epic.
0: that's a Dave McGowan thing. It yeah, it's
2: pretty wild. I don't know. I know, uh, like "Rhiannon" by Fleetwood Mac. There's a whole thing with that where like and musicians do this where they like kind of make up like oh it was just this like uh we just made up this woman or whatever i made up a name i feel like is the official story but then people found out it's like some like ancient like there's a whole video on youtube you can watch about Rhiannon, but like it's apparently like this uh, like celtic goddess or whatever is Rhiannon, and it's kind of like almost there's this performance where you watch they and perform it and you can almost feel like this Ancient force like coming through like Stevie Nick's because it's just like that, like, you know, ethereal performance, like she's at her peak, you know. Um and yeah, it's just 17. I know that guy. There's like the dove imagery. There's a lot with like especially the like, rock and roll from like sixties and seventies. If you look at like, just the like, album artwork and stuff the design, it's like it's wild. It's pretty cool. There's a lot that you can extrapolate, I guess, if you want to.
1: Yeah. I don't know. That's, that's interesting. I, I also love Helto California, but I always thought it was about drugs. That was my, mm-hmm. I was like, this has got to be my right? like about. I don't know. I've heard that. I don't
2: know. Right? <laughs> I like, my, <laughs> I am the walrus.
0: Right? You know, I thought it was just about like LA, like debauchery or whatever. Yeah. It's... I was going, cause
1: I was, I'm, I was going to go to LA, but I, I canceled. Um, cause I was like, why am I doing this? But I was just gonna go for fun um pretty soon in a couple of weeks to see some friends um and i was like oh maybe like what maybe i'll stay at the chateau marmont like it's, surely it's a place like you would just stay right and i looked it up and it's like rooms are like two thousand dollars a night like, <laughs> I <was> like oh, because <laughs> i was like i'm ready i will spend some money on this trip like why not like i would spend i would pay like 400 and now
0: it's just like people like hunter biden who like <laughs>
2: stay totally. there
0: party with weird like Euro trash hookers. It would be
2: cool. Go do some writing at like Chateau Marmont, you know, it's kind of like one of those places.
0: And if I had
1: $10,000 <laughs> this room, I would um, do it. But I also I also thought it was crazy how expensive it was. Because I remember like, you know, I'm a I'm a like millennial, like right in the core of it. I remember I loved Lindsay Lohan and For she me. was always like <laughs> living there. Like God, that bitch must have really been racking up some like bills. You know,
2: severe credit debt. I'm sure Lindsay Lohan's credit score is horrible. Oh no, she married. She married like she married like a
1: weird, (laughs) some really, 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 really really rich guy. She married in uh, Dubai. So she, she, you know, she kind of maybe she's the one woman who has it all. You know, she got to do all that like partying and whoring, (laughs) and then managed. Managed to marry some guy he with a hundred million dollars like he
2: just literally bought her to be not crazy anymore like that's something like only money can <laughs> buy and like apparently britney doesn't have enough of it only only from our that generation did um did Lindsay get her her like group back i guess paris hilton too she didn't go too crazy those are the two girls and they both had the most money so maybe there's something there
0: sorry
1: a we're talking They're about celebrities sorry.
0: Um, well, no, I was honestly a little bit concerned that we didn't have any celebrity gossip. In there. Well, I was
1: shocked. Okay, I want to I want to talk about this real fast, and I want to ask you guys about something else. But I was shocked at um, I was shocked at Paris Paris Hilton's like surrogacy baby because like I feel like now like surrogacy is just getting like more and more um normalized. And then did you see the article where they were like maybe we can use brain dead women? <laughs> that um, was weird. To to gestate babies for people who can't have babies oh, and i was like my God. i was like what i was I like know. no this is not okay um i also was i've also been interested in, in I, there's something related to like surrogacy abortion and then like the um all the euthanasia mm-hmm. stuff that's going on like in, in, in canada that's that really thrilling. weird i mean that
0: is
2: it's okay. It's child
1: sacrifice. Yeah. Brain, brain dead women. Oh, yeah, yes. that's horrific. It's fucking crazy. It is horrific. You're gonna have. I mean, I guess the expert who proposed this was like it would be, um, like an organ donation situation where like the woman would have said she wanted her body. But I'm like, what? What woman ever in the history of time <laughs> would say that if if, if in the event. <laughs> <laughs> You no, could no, art- can- you could artificially you could artificially keep me alive for nine months so I can just date a baby. It's it's I don't know. sick. I'm it's sorry. Well,
0: potentially like more than nine months, right? Like yeah, potentially like over and over again. Keep or it coming. Why not? It's gonna be like, yeah, I know, I like a want... tranny
2: militia, like a compound with a bunch of like brain dead women, like Terry Shibos in a big warehouse, and they're gonna be like in Ukraine or whatever. They're gonna be like be in Crimea, it's not gonna be pretty. I'm sorry. It has to be stopped. I, someone has to say it.
1: They're <laughs> gonna have like they're gonna have like forty Terry Shibos <laughs> at the Unico- at the unicorn. Uh, they're gonna be half furry,
2: half Terry Shaibo, and they're not gonna be very smart. It's not gonna be a good look for humanity. <laughs> I don't know.
1: I do wonder, like, there's going to be weird, if we're going to find out there was, like, weird sex stuff with the Ukraine oh, yeah. thing, because I just feel like people
0: are oh, so horny. Dude, for yeah. sure. I yeah, well, you heard about weird. KB's mom situation or whatever? I mean, no, I yeah, she's, like, t- she's, like, taken custody yeah. of, like, a 23-year-old Ukrainian girl. <laughs> i just
2: heard about that. That's wild. Yeah. I don't know.
0: Did you see the uh,
1: the other clip that was circulating Twitter that was funny about the Ukrainians? Was when that BBC interviewer went and interviewed that Ukrainian woman, and she was like, "I don't like living in this neighborhood." <laughs> and then the the and then you, and BBC interviewer is like, "Why? Because you're racist?" Is <laughs> like basically that's what she asked. Oh no, no, no! I have I have looked at um, the police reports, and I've seen who commits the <laughs> She's most Steve crimes. In this neighborhood is the the ethnicities what? that commit the most crimes, and she was just like saying it like so matter of factly, <laughs> and I was like, I cannot believe the BBC that's just did it.
2: that's really <laughs> That's air it. That's like a
1: sea change moment. You
2: know. where...
1: I would be like, if I were that interviewer, I'd be like, God damn, <laughs> like, uh, she's about to say some shit that we do not uh, so I guess now they're like saying the Ukrainians are all uh, well. We kind of always knew that they were all Nazis. (laughs) Now it's it's really—it's just like OKC. Okay,
2: it's just like OKC, though, really, where it's just like you have these like non-state actors. They're kind of Nazis. They're kind of not like you know what I mean. There's just all these like terror cells, essentially worldwide. And I think it's not. I don't think we should. Yeah, whoever did OKC also did Ukraine. I guess that's what I'm going to say. I'll just button
1: that Mm -hmm. up. Mm. So I want to ask you guys about something that I've been completely baffled by on the internet and maybe neither of you know, or maybe both of you know, but like, what is Keffel's? And why is it all why is she always everywhere? I'm gonna pass this one to
2: Pool. House. <laughs> I, uh, there's a whole, I, I don't know if there's okay, there's a retarded podcast called Blocked and Reported that I still sometimes listen to, even though I hate the hosts that uh, do like gender critical. It's uh Je- it's Jesse Single, this guy who does like a lot of gender critical reporting, I guess. And Kitty Hertz. Yeah, so I'm going like, gonna go into their six hour episode if you really want the deep dive, but she's from like Kiwi Farms, like kind of like a trolley website. I think she's an operative. I think she's kind of like the bread two people. She feels to me kind of like she maybe is a bread two person. I don't, maybe I'm not even the qualified person to give this one, but I know that she is very much a uh, vocal forefront in this kind of like. Um, uh, yeah, like, trans ideology space and kind of, like, is willing to go kind of into the trenches, toe-to-toe. I heard her in a Twitter space the other day, like, kind of just, like, debating people, which actually, I'll give her, like, credit for, like, actually showing up and, and doing that. Uh, but there was a big scandal. She was the one who, like, there was a big scandal about her and she was, like, not safe and, like, she caused a bunch of, like, websites to be, like, taken down forever, including like, Kiwi Farms. But
1: she's trending today because apparently she told people... <laughs> oh god I was trying to figure this. I was trying so I felt like an old man Trying to figure this out Apparently She told People To make Fake Um This is what They said she did Keffles is now Encouraging her followers To go infiltrate Tender queer Twitter uh, Um to Spread misinfo And mistrust By using Pit crew Avatars She suggested Her followers Pretend to be black So she So she told them to make uh, (laughs) black, like, avatars and go into tender queer Twitter. I mean. But I was like, I felt like I was reading, like, Chinese. I was like, what is that? What does that even mean? It
2: means that Carol's is who they want you to think David Koresh was. Like, who, I don't know, like, (laughs) maybe maybe not worse than Timothy McVeigh, but, like we're getting close. I don't know. She's a terror cell network leader. Like, I don't know that who does that, you know? And she does, she's known for this. Like she kind of does the like command your followers to go do like different harassment, but it's not harassment. Like when she does it, cause it's like activism, you know, it's, it's safe. I don't know. I don't, I don't know. Yeah.
1: The last celebrity thing I'll bring up, cause I know we're like, we're kind of, we're almost at the two hour <laughs> mark, which I love when we have a guest hour episode, but i read the army hammer interview today because i was like so mm. curious about it and i don't want to defend him because he's like a total retard like <laughs> anyone anyone who, anyone who he's he comes across really stupid because i'm like how could you how could you mm. get yourself in the situation but basically he did kind of come with receipts because he shared all these um
2: Ooh.
1: text screen grabs of all these conversations where these women <sighs> Not to be hating on women because I don't cause I, I, I get I get their game. I get what they're doing. But my gay friend and I were laughing about this today because we were like, all these women like knew he was into BDSM and like messaged him on Instagram and were saying things like, oh, i'm a I'm a I'm a dump dominatrix mm-hmm. at, a, at a whatever like I'm into like this community. And then, of course him being a complete, again, complete <laughs> retard uh, falls, falls falls for it and starts messaging with them. And then they have all these, like, screen grabs of his, like, saying insane shit, which mm-hmm. he only said after being, like, completely baited into it. Um, and I was like, God, BPD art hoes, mm-hmm. BPD art hoeing. And then um, and then this one woman, I guess the one who said he raped her, like, apparently, and I don't know, he didn't provide screen grabs of this, but apparently he says it's out there and he wants Meta to release it. Mm-hmm. I'm like, okay, good luck, Hammer. <laughs> But I kind of believe it. She said that he like they set up a whole scene where he was supposed to follow her home from this Starbucks wow. <laughs> um, and then like attack her in her house attack, of course, like, you know what I mean? Um, and apparently for years afterwards, and he did have proof of this, she was like showing up at like um, hotels of his and like threatening to tell his wife that they were having an affair if he didn't like restart the relationship. And my gay friend and I were laughing. We were like, wait, so she's kind of the, she's the predator <laughs> because she's like, she's like, if you don't come back into this sick fucking twisted BDSM coked out relationship with me, I'm going to mm-hmm. tell everyone you raped me. And we were just like, we were just laughing about that. And I, I kind of suspected that because he seems so dumb. Like I was like, he does. I, I didn't actually think that he like, I don't think he's a good person. I'm sure he's been awful to women. I just didn't really think that he had raped anyone. That was just like, right. I was just like this. None of this makes any sense. It doesn't make any, none of this makes any sense to me. Like it just, I don't see how, yeah, anyway, you could have these ongoing relationships anyway. So it, it turns out like my theory about it was, I wasn't just being misogynistic because it does seem like there's a lot of truth to it. And I'm like, God, the girls have gotten creative. <laughs> like if you want to, <laughs> You want to get a celebrity on the hook? You can mm-hmm. like, you know what I mean. Like, I would have come up with that at like twenty one if I had heard there was some gay guy celebrity who was like into, <laughs> it, you know, like I would have been like, I'm really into BDSM as well. Hi, <laughs> well,
2: <laughs> you know, she what I mean? cannibalism it was just and stuff too. Like, it was the the woman who did it was crazy. I remember. I feel like she was like,
1: I know. But if you read all, if you read the whole text messages, it's like the women are like. um, ha 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 you want to eat my fingers and then he would be like yeah i want to eat your fingers and then like and then like they would cut off the part they would like put on twitter where like it was just him saying i want to eat your fingers oh my gosh. <laughs>
2: they
1: were like they were like goading him into it i don't know i mean again i'm not defending this person i just thought it was so funny when you see the whole conversation because you realize like oh this is like and it's kind of what's happening with... Oh, sorry, A, we're going to do it now. We're just going to end the episode on celebrities. But I'm also laughing because there's all these straight guys now that are like, James Charles sexually harassed me. But when you read the messages, it's like, they're, like, messaging him, and then he's so retarded. Like, he's probably, like, 70 IQ. He's, like, responding to them. And then they're like, he's... I don't know. I just, I just hate shit like that because, like, I do believe obviously there are people who are sexual predators out there, but I just think it's so weird how easy it is to, Mm -hmm. you know, goad someone into a situation Mm -hmm. like this for fame. And it just seems like that is what happened. I mean, I hope he, he's a bad actor. I hope in the sense of like, he's actually bad at his craft. Um, And I I don't think he should ever make a movie again, but I was just like, I was just like, God, this is so fascinating because like it kind of seemed that way at the time, you know, and like now all these, now all these, um, you know, Gloria Allred tried to insert always. herself and she totally, she, she totally dropped all of them. She was like, these women don't have anything.
2: Uh, it was anything exactly honest. as it seemed at the time. And nobody could say it because it's like, you're, you're not allowed to speak up. And that's why we're not, not speaking up anymore. We're saying, you know, no, thank you to not like speaking up or you were right. Isn't it feel affirming to be right to cute? Like always go off those instincts.
1: Yeah, I- I I, I also just feel like people need to, like, take responsibility, like, to some extent for their own actions. And I'm like, I would never, even at a very young age, I would never hold, like, something against someone who, like, I willingly entered into a sexual encounter that ended up being, like shitty for me Mm -hmm. like you know what i mean like i did that when i was young like i entered into like just dumb like i would like go to some older guy's house and i'm like yeah i want to be like choked out and then i would like leave and i'd be like i hate that i hated that you know what i mean but i would never turn back around (laughs) and be like this person assaulted me you know what i mean i would i've just like i'm just like that was a stupid choice that i made and i will make it i will make it 10 or 11 more times before i stop doing it completely but I just, I just find it weird when people want to externalize. Like they want to like not blame themselves oh, totally. for some for stupid choices that they made. There was no framework um, though for
2: you. To, there was no blueprint to go me to somebody, You know what I mean? And now it's like systemized. It's literally like an option <laughs> on the table. It's like, oh, how much money does this person have? For? We all like me too. them. Like, mm-hmm. You know, it's or like how much clout do I need? Like, yeah. What do I get out of this if I make it about me?
0: That's what to me. It's a little bit is kind of on him. Like you, you just have to be you know, aware that this shit can happen and like, don't do shit that, you know?
1: Well, if I was a famous celebrity, I would never, I would never sleep with civilians. I mean, first off, why would you? Because you can sleep with Mm -hmm. other celebrities, which is, seems like one of the perks of being a celebrity. And then you guys mutually have, unless you're Johnny up and Amber (laughs) Heard, you guys mutually have like the, you have like mutually assured self-destruction mm-hmm. if you guys go at each other. Whereas, like, of course, mm-hmm. you know, and of course, yeah. If you're a celebrity, I think the problem is, is like with him in the interactions. What he was too too much of an idiot or too horny to realize is that like he wants to fuck, but these women want to date a celebrity.
2: Exactly. Oh, yeah. so, the
1: mo- the motive, so the motives. So the motives going into this for the two of you are really different. And I do think that that is a type of like power imbalance, but I think that like women, the women could probably, arguably, could have been exploiting it as much as he was, if that makes sense. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, yeah,
2: you can see um, Army Hammer is like innocent. Like, He's sweet and innocent, and the women were <laughs> Oh my goodness! <laughs>
1: You're like, I'm a I'm a hot 23 year old. This is a dumb celebrity. I don't know, like, you know what I mean? But, like, and, like, I, but I agree with, I agree with you, A. I mean, obviously, obviously he's, like, was an idiot for getting involved in that. And I don't think yeah, anyone's it's going to be, be quick to, like, redeem him or, in any way. I just was, like, I don't know. It was just interesting to see that he's, yeah. I never believed he was a cannibal. <laughs> I mean, people on Reddit were, people on Reddit were trying to, like, link him to some, like, body that was, like, found in, like, the Utah <laughs> desert. And I Come on! Where Ridiculous. was he on April nineteenth,
2: nineteen ninety-five? Could he be John Doe number two? I don't know.
1: <laughs> <laughs> he was like four. Yeah. He's younger than all of us.
0: <laughs>
1: I don't know. All right. Any last, anything else you want to bring up, A, before we say good night?
0: I don't know. I mean, we covered a lot. I feel good about it. <laughs> I good about it too. The, um, the late night edition. Thanks yeah. to you for having me. It
2: was a pleasure. As always. Um, yeah, you guys, are, you, know, you guys are the best. I feel a, a strong affinity to you both. And uh yeah. Okay.
1: Give your give your at one more. So by the way, we should say this. We should do this at the end too, eh? So I'm at mm. Flamergate, F-L-A-M-E-R-G-A-T-E. Oh, yeah. And you're go ahead, say your a I, IQ moron. You at IQ more on. And you're where Poolhouse, housework. you
2: can hand vivo uh look it up on the show title (laughs) everything's (laughs) there
0: all right bye everybody yeah